Hi, everybody. Welcome to Parkinson's and Me. Season 2, Episode 10, The Importance of Support. Well, greetings, everyone. If you are new to the podcast, I want to thank you for listening. And also to tell you that my name is Daniel, and I'm the host. Two years ago, I was diagnosed with young-onset Parkinson's disease. And as many of you know, this significantly impacts one's life. It's not a terminal disease, and you won't necessarily die from Parkinson's. However, it is a disease that progressively takes away a person's ability to move correctly. Many people are familiar with Michael J. Fox, Muhammad Ali, and know it as a a disease that causes one to shake or to twitch uncontrollably. Well, there is much more to the disease. In fact, it's stated that there are over 40 different symptoms that are a result of Parkinson's. So other than the movement disorder that Parkinson's causes, there's also mental and psychological problems that arise from the lack of dopamine that a normal person has. I could start to list all of these symptoms, but it's a lot of anxiety, mood changes. And so what this show really focuses on, is not the motor symptoms, which is the movement, but more on the emotional and psychological effects. With all of these complexities that come into focus, It is very overwhelming for those that are new to Parkinson's, as well as those who've had it for some time. We're in a constant state of change. For this episode, I invited the leader of my support group for young onset Parkinson's to talk about the importance of a support group. Her name is Barbara Mooney. She's the Georgia chapter coordinator for the American Parkinson's Disease Association. And she's part of the Georgia Chapter Executive Board. When I first joined the support group, Barbara was such a kind and empathetic person. I count it a pleasure that I've had the opportunity to get to know her. Without further delay, let's get to my conversation with Barbara. So Barbara, just to start off, what is the American Parkinson's Disease Association? Okay. American Parkinson Disease Association, or APDA for short, is the longest, I guess, oldest grassroots Parkinson's association in the United States. And we bring awareness, education, programs, support, and research for people and families living with Parkinson's disease. We date back to 1961. And we're primarily, like I mentioned, grassroots, which is all volunteer which to me, that tells you where our heart is. We spend our resources primarily on those things that I mentioned. I know you from a great leader for our Young Onset support group. How are you involved specifically with the association? Well, thank you. APDA is made up of chapters across the United States, and I am the chapter coordinator for Georgia, for the state of Georgia. So I am staff, but I'm the only staff member in Georgia. Mm -hmm. How did you get started uh, with the Parkinson's community? 
Well, I had two relatives that had Parkinson's disease. One was a blood relative and one was a relative by marriage. And um, I had friends that had been uh, involved with APDA and I had gotten to know a little about APDA Georgia through them, did some volunteering. And then that's how I got involved and ended up getting to to work with APDA. You've definitely served your time and you've seen a lot of, of people a lot of situations. I've got to ask, because sometimes I know with our group, things can get real serious and heavy pretty quick. So what does it take to be a support group leader? Well, I think that primarily it takes just someone that really cares about other people and people with Parkinson's. You know, a support group is really designed for that purpose, to add support, camaraderie, and friendship and to gain knowledge, confidence in our, you know, in your journey with Parkinson's disease as a facilitator of a support group is to keep that conversation going and just to kind of control the conversation in some aspects. Um, We usually have a topic that we might start with, but we're really there just to talk about what the support group members want to talk about. So I think that it's not a hard thing to facilitate a support group. It's actually very rewarding. And some of our support groups are peer-led and some are led by a social worker or someone that's professionally trained to facilitate. It really just takes that compassion and, and some understanding and knowing what everyone is going through that's there and just working with them and understanding that this is for them. I know for me, it was difficult at first to join a support group, and I was scared to death of just a regular Parkinson's support group. I was wanting to make sure that I got with those around my same age, therefore the young onset uh, support group. But with someone listening, why should they join a support group? I think it's just like we were talking about that it's a great way to see what other people just like you are going through the same thing that Mm. they're going through. I know that uh, some people are afraid to join a support group. It means getting out there, sharing your feelings and being somewhat vulnerable, you know, sharing something that maybe you haven't shared before Mm -hmm. or that maybe you're not comfortable in sharing. But I think it, it makes a big difference in talking to people that are going through the same things that you are. And in, in the case of young onset, I think, you know, you're dealing with a lot of things such as um, you're still working. Most people mm-hmm. still working. You may have younger children. And for some people, they may also have adults. Not, I shouldn't say adults, but um, <laughs> parents is what I meant right. to say. Um, they're parents that they're also helping, you know, as they age. So you really have a lot on your plate that makes a big difference that you have your peers in your support group. I think that helps. What are the difference in dynamics, let's say, between a Parkinson's support group and a young onset? I think in a lot of the Parkinson's support groups, we have people that are diagnosed at a later age in life. Mm -hmm. Um, That's typical. It's there aren't quite as many young onset. We uh, when you have people that are older, sometimes there's a difference in their symptoms 
And some of that is aging. It's a part of aging. And then some, you know, it's been exacerbated by the Parkinson's. I think it makes a difference if you have different age groups, you're dealing with different lifestyles, different aspects of your life. You know, mostly people are retired and they have their children that are maybe taking care of them. So it's just a matter of lifestyle. So there, there is a pretty big difference in the dynamics of the group, or is it just the topics? In the group that you and I are in, there is a gentleman in there that's older. He's had Parkinson's for 10 years, but it also adds to the group and that he can help explain what might be ahead or what he is, what triumphs he's dealt with, what tragedies he's dealt with, the different aspects of Parkinson's. But I think it, there's value in both. And this lady that is in our Parkinson's support group, I think having that a senior person that's been there can also add and help the younger people know that it's just a matter of managing and you can get through it. But I mm. think, you know, I would still have to say that it makes a difference when you're talking to people that are your age. I think that helps. I bring my own issues and, and situations to the group, but you certainly have a different point of view, especially with 11 years with background. Having that perspective, what are the greatest struggles for those with Parkinson's disease? I work in a support group that has care partners as well as support groups that have people with Parkinson's. I think when a person gets uh, the first diagnosis, it's, um, it's scary, of course, because they don't know what to expect. Some people think that it's over. That's it. But I think that it, it's so important that the person with the diagnosis and the family members learn about the disease, learn that you can live a long, active, healthy, optimistic lifestyle, but it has to be managed. It is a progressive disease and it has to be managed. And I think that's one of the things that I hear a lot is people asking, what can we expect? And it's like any other disease in that everybody's different and no one fits a, a certain mold, but you can manage it and live well with it. And then just getting questions answered about different um, medications, side effects, learning about exercise and how important exercise is. It is for everybody. Exercise is so important, but for people with Parkinson's, it makes a huge difference. But I think those are some of the main topics that I talk about with other people. Those that have come and gone from a support group in the sense of they don't join uh, any longer, that they quit. What do you think is the most common factor for that? Well, that's a good question. It's a tough question. And now, you know, that we've been in, in COVID, I think we've had different outlooks on that. Uh, some people, if you want to go back to pre-COVID, I would say it's a matter of, you know, you have to get in the car, organize yourself, maybe you know, that might be a problem for some getting into traffic and driving. And I, I think most people enjoy sharing. I think that part of the group is not a problem. There are some people that aren't comfortable with it and it may take a while to get used to it, or maybe they just, they're not comfortable with it. So that's certainly an idea of why people would not join. I think as far as, you know, our Zoom support groups, I think people get a little tired of being on Zoom. At least that's what some people have said that, or they're not comfortable with the technology they might be using. Other than that, I think it's just 
you know, your lifestyle. It's like anything else. It's a habit and it's a meeting and, you know, getting ready and getting to that meeting. Sometimes it just adds to your daily list and some people may may not want to do it. Yeah, I definitely know that is a factor uh, for me. You're still moving ahead with Zoom meetings whenever we get out of this pandemic. (laughs) That's going to continue? We've decided to continue with Zoom. I think it's going to be a way of life for a lot of different things. We were just talking about that today. I had a support group earlier today. We talked about that. A lot of people have told me that if it weren't for the Zoom meeting, they would not be able to attend. It's too far to drive or the schedule. And this has allowed them to participate in other events, such as an exercise class, which they benefit greatly being in person. So this allows them to add that to their schedule. I have to say there are definitely benefits to being in person. I was at a support group last week and I met a lady that I had only met online just like this. And we saw each other in person from across the room and we just we had we hugged and just it was a great experience. It really does make a difference when you can at least occasionally see someone in person and share that. But I think Zoom is so important because it does allow people to get together from everywhere. And, you know, we have some people in our support group that are from other states. Mm-hmm. They seem to want to stay with their group. For those that maybe are hesitant to join a support group or maybe even hesitant and thinking that they even want to keep fighting, what are the characteristics, either naturally or learned, that a person needs to have in order to succeed in the best life that they can have with Parkinson's? What are things to overcome? I would say I have a a dear friend that I knew that had Parkinson's disease. And it was a gentleman that I met early when I first started with APDA. And he and his wife, in this case, were partners. They worked together. They stuck with their routines and they worked together. Like I say, that's why I say they, it's a family. It's not just one person that has Parkinson's disease. It's the family that lives with Parkinson's. And so they went to their doctor appointments. They went to exercise and they just kept moving. They kept living, so to speak. And I think that makes such a difference. You know, it is a habit. It's work and you have to keep moving forward and sticking with it. And I think that just really made a big difference. He got involved. He helped to start the golf tournament that we do. It's one of our largest fundraisers and he helped to start that. He served on the committee and it just made such a difference that he was involved. His wife helped him, you know, along the way. And I just think that also educating your family, I think that makes a big difference because, you know, like I said, it's the family that's living with it and everybody being together and maintaining that communication. I think that makes a big difference too. What would you suggest to maybe that person's family is not accepting of the diagnosis? You hear through different forums and Facebook groups, and you just see the stories of a spouse leaving, other family abandoning them. Do you have any suggestions, maybe something that you've seen that really can help? That is a tough question. And I would say, of course, everybody is different and every situation is different. But I would say to get help where you can. If it's inevitable that, you know, some of those things are happening or that maybe family members can't deal with it or or won't, or maybe they're just afraid 
there are so many different types of therapy or therapists, psychiatrists, psychologists. And I would think that that's important for anybody at any stage. You know, it can really help to talk to someone. Being part of a support group, that's another level of support. But getting the support you can, even, you know, like in an exercise group, you have that support of others. And so I would say keep moving forward. Stick with what you can, you know, exercise, get involved and stick with the positive side. So if you can be around other people that are positive, that's just going to help you as well. What would you say to a spouse that's looking for help? Because maybe their spouse has quit on them or they're just so overwhelmed with the progression of the disease and the spouse wants to help so much, but they're lost What's something that they can take away from this? It's important for them to understand what the different symptoms are. Apathy is a big one, and it's, I don't know if it's always recognized, but just knowing that that's a symptom. It's not that the person with Parkinson's doesn't care. It's that it's a symptom, apathy, and they they act like they don't care, but it's not true. (laughs) And depression is a big symptom of Parkinson's disease. So I think it's very important that the spouse know what to expect, what the symptoms are. I think that makes a huge difference. I also think it makes a huge difference that they ask for help where they can and receive help. A lot of people don't want to do that, but take some time for themselves. Go out and get exercise or if they're working. um, I'm sorry, that's my dog. (laughs) But if they're working, you know, have interests outside of the home and make sure they're taking care of themselves as well and keep things optimistic. Is there a better way of communicating maybe with someone that that is not communicating back? I feel that that's more common than what I realize. Yeah, I think some people have that, but maybe they don't know how to communicate. And that's where I would say, try to get a third party in there. Try, Mm -hmm. like we talked about a therapist or a counselor, someone that can help with that communication. Mm, Yeah. Well, speaking of getting involved and getting resources, the APDA has a lot of ways that you can get involved. What would you suggest for someone that feels like, you know, I don't have a lot of skills like coming up with a golf tournament or it's not an effective fundraiser. You can volunteer at other events. Like we have the walk coming up. You could volunteer or just being there, you know, coming out. You could help, you know, hand out t-shirts or greet people, you know, just being there, being involved. I think half the battle is just showing up, you know, Mm -hmm. sometimes just being there. And then Of course, if you wanted to do a fundraiser type thing, you could do that. Anything that you have in mind, if you have something at the school for your kids, or uh, if you have kids that are of the age that need volunteer hours, you could be involved with them. We had a young man that did a support. uh, What was it? He did a walk. He was 12 at the time, but he he was in a club and he needed volunteer hours. So he got the family involved and it was a school organized event. It can be, you know, simple things like that. And we do have tools at APDA online forms that you can use so that it gives you a that platform so people could get involved in it. It takes some of the work out of it that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Yeah, there are some little ways you can get involved or big ways. It just depends on, you know, what suits you and your your ideas and your interests. 
last and final question. Looking towards the future, because we're always thinking about growing. <laughs> What's coming up for you in the APDA? We have a lot of great research that's being done at APDA. As a matter of fact, we have just been given kind of a, a recap of grants that APDA has issued to researchers. And we also invest in researchers that are younger and at the cutting edge of new research. And so we have some of those results that we can share now. It's just been put into kind of a condensed format to make it easier to digest because it's quite a bit. Hmm. These are some of the grants that were given about three years ago, and some of them are three to five year grants. So that is something that we're really excited about and looking ahead to future. Some different chapters across the United States are doing different things, but we're always looking for what people with PD are looking for. So we have a continuous schedule of education and it's available on our website. Of course, it's virtual or it's um, live and you can participate. You can ask questions. I love the fact that there are experts in these different fields that are on these podcasts or webinars or like our Dr. Gilbert has a um, blog that she does and you can ask questions of the experts live. And I think that's very valuable to get to talk to that person that you may never have had the opportunity to talk to before. Uh, So we always have education. We're always improving our exercise offerings and we're building support groups across the state. So we want to offer more to people outside of the metro Atlanta area. We really are looking to serve more people as best we can. That's what our goal is. And that's what we're always working for. That's fantastic. And really exciting. And honestly, it's very humbling that people care so much that necessarily don't have Parkinson's. They're so involved. It really means a lot when there are times you get overwhelmed and you get the feeling, you know, no one really cares about this. Barbara, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to talk with me and being such a wonderful guest, but most importantly of all, of being such an empathetic and compassionate support group leader. I'm very thankful for you. Well, thank you, Daniel. It's great to talk to you. And uh, I always enjoy talking with you. And I think you're a positive influence in our support group and you make a big difference. So thank you for what you're doing. And this podcast really helps a lot of people. So thank you. I want to thank Barbara for joining me for this episode. The American Parkinson's Disease Association, APDA, is doing great work. And if you have not seen their site and all the resources that they have for us, please go to adpaparkinson.org. If you were wondering what advantages you could receive from going to a support group, I hope our conversation really demonstrated what a difference it can make. We need everyone we can get. My conversation with Barbara challenged me. I do this podcast as a way for me to be an advocate. However, there are more things that I can do. And as she said, just showing up, being at these events. I wanna thank you for listening. I'm about to include our contact information. I would love to hear from you. So please add your voice, add your story. May the Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you his peace. Until next time. If you would like to call and leave a message, 
Our number is 706-873-1656. Or you can email us at parkinsonsandmepodcast at gmail.com. Finally, I would appreciate it if you'd review us at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to this show. And remember, keep moving forward.